0: Good morning and welcome to Shouts of Grace. This morning we're continuing our series on Christ our healer as we come to number 28 and I believe we are going to go all the way to number 30 Uh, and there's a lot more that we could say about healing as well but we're getting some good questions coming in so some things that uh, we're going to address here or I shouldn't really say address but we're going to go and answer uh, here going forward and then also uh, really want to get into on the very last day um, looking at the concept of, uh, the, the ultimate healing that we have. And, uh, that of course is when we do get our new bodies. And so that is something to look at and something to be excited for, because uh, it has a, a lot to do with, um, with obviously with healing, but also just with the concept of living in a world that is cursed by sin, uh, and we do live in a world that is cursed by sin. But today we're really going to be focusing in on uh, the the concept is God obligated? Is God obligated? to heal us to see have an obligation to heal us and we looked at that a little bit yesterday and we looked at a few different things with the the fatherhood of god that he is a god who gives good gifts and also his nature as a healer, but today we're going to be looking at it from the other side of this, and that is from our perspective. So yesterday was kind of from God's perspective that we're looking into, but today is from our perspective as this something that happens to us. And we're going to be looking at a passage today that most people wouldn't equate with healing so much, which is kind of an interesting an interesting thing uh, to go and to look at, and so I do understand when we read this that this passage isn't directly talking about healing, but it's alluding to a principle that I believe is very important in understanding if God has an obligation to heal us, if there is something that that we get, so to say, uh, that we can go and call upon. But this passage we're going to be looking at today is in Ephesians chapter one. Ephesians chapter one. And so, if you'd follow along as I read Ephesians chapter 1, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father in the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us. Uh, in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise and the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, he Purpose in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, that he might gather together in one all things in Christ, which are in heaven and which are in earth. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. That we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also. "...trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchase possession to the praise of his glory? Therefore I also..." "...after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, to the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him." the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, that you that what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly places, Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, you might have listened to that passage. You might have read that passage several times. You might be thinking, what in the world does this have to do with healing? And while at first glance, it might not seem like it has much, if anything to do with healing, I actually think this has a lot to do with healing, this passage. Now, I'm going to look at just a few things here. The first one I want to point out is... Uh, that Christ, it says in verse 3, "...who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ." We, We do have all of these spiritual blessings in Christ, and if we go back to Psalm 103, it tells us to forget not all of his benefits, which is exactly what this is referencing, and then it goes and it tells us, "...who heals all of your diseases." Heals all of your diseases. So, first of all, I would say that this is making a reference to Psalm 103 as it is very much in the same language because, of course, Scripture doesn't contradict Scripture. The New Testament isn't going and abrogating the Old Testament. That's not what's happening here. But it is rather a revealed truth that is complementing one another. And that's why we go and we interpret Scripture through Scripture. And so that is so important to go into to understand. But the second thing that I would say that we really need to go into look at is in verse 5, it says, Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the pleasure of his will. We're going to be talking just a little bit about predestination. I'm not going to get—I don't have very much time, so I'm not going to be getting too far into predestination— but I want you to understand here what this is talking about. We're being predestined to adoption. Predestined to adoption. Now, most people just go and they read this passage and they think, oh, uh, this is talking about going and predestining those who would be saved and those who wouldn't be saved. But it's saying adoption, not being born again. And there's a difference between being adopted into the family of God and being born again. Now, they happen very much at similar times, but they're talking about two totally different things, two totally different standings that happen. Of course, they're related. I mean, you're both going into the family of God. I understand that concept. But being born again, as what's talked about in John chapter 3 when Nicodemus comes to Jesus and Jesus tells him, "Ye must be born again." This is important to understand here. Being born again is when we pass from death to life. We go in and we were spiritually dead and now we're spiritually made alive. We're we're quickened. This is an incredibly important thing. It tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.17, For anyone who's in Christ, old things have passed away, all things have become new. We we see that concept. And of course, I'm going to say something that that is maybe going to shock you. Probably shouldn't shock you, but when someone is born physically, when they're born, they have no maturity. They have no maturity whatsoever. You know, if you take a a newborn baby just recently, I was what was around my uh, brand spanking new niece Renee, what a what a cute little girl she is. But you know, she just kind of lays there. And when she gets hungry, she doesn't stand up or even crawl over to the kitchen and make herself some food. She cries. In fact, she can't even hold her own bottle yet. And my goodness, I I don't even want to get into, you, you know, what happens after that food is processed through her, after it's digested. You know, she has to go and have somebody change her diaper. There's no maturity there. There's no maturity there. In fact, you you know, she can make some noises, but, but there's no words that come out. You know, that's how all of us were when we were first born. It's so all of us were when we we're first born. And when you are born again spiritually, it, it speaks about coming into the family of God, but it also is making a reference to your spiritual maturity. And so, though it is talking about passing from death to life, and that's important, that's what Jesus was telling Nicodemus ye must be born again, it also is making a statement about the maturity. You know, whenever somebody is born again, they're, they're not immediately a mature Christian. They have to go through a process, just like when you were born into this world, in order to become a mature person, both physically, mentally, all these kinds of things, you have to go and to go through a process. But this isn't talking about being born again. This is talking about being adopted. Now, why am I making a distinction here between being born again and being adopted? It's because being born again is referencing maturity and passing from death to life, whereas then being adopted is referencing being placed into a family and having a certain legal standing. Now, you see here, we, we've adopted two sons, uh, Thomas and Henry, and, and I can tell you when you go through that adoption process— they go, and while they're training you, they tell you, look, it's it's something that that's that's new. In fact, you have to be born again in order to be adopted. It's what they'll even go and tell you. You have to go and get a new birth certificate in order to be adopted. That's part of the adoption process. You have to go and you have to to, to pay for the fees of, of getting a new birth certificate. They go and they get a new birth certificate because it's a new person that that's coming out and being born, but then the adoption comes, and that adoption is that they're being placed into your family and they have all of the same legal rights as a child that would be biologically born into your family. In fact, the judge goes and he he makes you go and say, look, you are swearing to go and to take care of this child Physically, to take care of this child emotionally, to take care of this child even spiritually is what the secular judges go and tell you. You have to go into swear to those things within a court of law because this child is legally now being placed into your family. He's getting a certain standing. Now, when somebody gets adopted, they could be adopted, you you know, with maturity. They don't have to be adopted at day one. In fact, chances are they can't be adopted at day one because of the process uh, that takes it physically in, in, in this. There, there's some maturing that has to come out. And now, of course, you can adopt babies at a very young age. I understand that. We adopted both of our boys at a young age. But the point of adoption and what's being referenced biblically when it's talking about being adopted, is that it's not just saying that you're coming into the family of God, but you're coming into the family of God with a standing of a firstborn son. That's what it's talking about. It's talking about your standing inside the family of God. Now, I would really love to get into this whole predestination thing, that God has predestined all people— in order to go and to have this standing as a firstborn son. That doesn't mean everybody's going to be saved, because this is what it's talking about here, is that you have a standing as a firstborn son, which is very important, biblically speaking. If you go back into those days, we've lost it in our American culture. But when it comes to an inheritance, the firstborn son was the primary inheritor, and so this predestination, what it's talking about, is that it's saying that God has an ample supply of inheritance, and he has an inheritance for everyone. He, and so therefore, he is predestined everyone to become—well, not to become, but, but to, to have this adoption, to have this standing of his adoption. There are some people who are going to go and say, no, I don't want that position not a universalist. They're going to come out and say, I don't want that position, but that doesn't change the riches that are in Christ Jesus. That doesn't change the the inheritance that Christ has, that God has, and that he intended for that person to receive. Now, they're going to reject it. A lot of people are going to reject it. But why do I say all this? Because what does this have to do with healing? It has a lot to do with healing. You see, with healing, when we consider healing— we have these spiritual blessings where to remember his benefits in Psalm 103, all of his benefits, he heals our soul's diseases, part of our inheritance as Christians, part of our inheritance as being adopted into the family of God, is healing. So is God obligated to heal? Well, like I looked at yesterday, no, he's not obligated to heal, but he's a good father. He goes and he wants to give us good gifts. But now we come to this and we see we have the right to access that spiritual blessing. We have a legal right to access that spiritual blessing, and God is perfectly just. He's not going to steal your spiritual blessing from you. He's not going to go and wrongfully withhold it. But a wise father—remember his position as a father—a wise father— Doesn't just willy nilly go and give to his children everything. They have to go and show that they're worthy stewards of it. And that's where the conditions come in once again. That's where the obligation, or not the obligations, but the conditions come in again on our part. We have to go and he says, Look, son, look, child. I have these blessings that are for you, but in order to access them, in order to go and to get into the trust account, essentially, you have to go and meet these conditions and when you meet these conditions I want you to know that that look the the children of wrath don't have this look the, the the children of the devil don't have this because they are not adopted they don't have that position as a firstborn son but you have that position as a firstborn son this is laid in store for you and you have to access it through these things that I set forth because I'm a wise father and if I give you an inheritance, When you're not ready for it, it's not going to make you better. It's going to make you worse. So therefore, because I'm a wise father and I want to give you good gifts, I have laid store for you these good gifts, and this is the way that you can access and get to them. So when we go and we look at this, is God obligated to heal us? Not in the sense that we always get healing, on our terms. In fact, we never get healing on our terms, but he is obligated to give us healing on his terms because it is our legal right within the family of God. Now, like I said here, we're going to be talking about this in a couple days. There is an understanding that we live in a sin-cursed world because he is just. There is death that comes on us, which ultimately means that at some point in time, we will succumb to death means ultimately we're succumbing to some kind of sickness and illness. I understand that we're going to talk about that in a couple of days, but we're talking about here, what I'm looking at here, is this premature when it's not your time. When it's not your time. In fact, I'll be honest, I believe there are a lot of people who die premature because they do not spiritually access the blessings that God has for them. And so they die premature. They die premature because they're living in disobedience or... They're forgetting his benefits. They're forgetting his benefits. There's bad consequences for not obeying the scripture. And he says, Remember all of the benefits. Remember these things. And so today, I want you to remember that you, if you've been born again, if you've been saved, you don't just get born again, you also become adopted into the family of God. And being adopted into the family of God, you have a standing as a firstborn son, with all of this inheritance. But God gives you a certain way that you need to access it. So access your inheritance today by going and meeting the conditions that God gives in order to receive healing. We've talked about them in this series. If you're not sure what these conditions are, let me know. I can go back over them But I know there's a lot of ground that we had to cover today. So that's why I'm not going and listing all of those things here at this moment. But thank you for listening today. And remember, Joshua 1, 8, 9, as we depart. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. But even in darkness, we hold to the promise. There's nothing we can't overcome. So that war you've been fighting will end in God's timing. Sing like the battle.